Hello guys, this is the first episode of It's Alive And I just want to do a quick introduction I will be talking about um, weird unsolved mysteries, true crime cases, hauntings, UFOs, spiritual shit, tarot um, all of that kind of stuff that I'm into and hopefully weirdos out there that are into will appreciate too weird cases that I usually bring up on first dates <laughs> but yeah and like my laugh is gonna be really annoying so if you don't like annoying laughs you may click away sachet away if you will yeah so that was the intro pretty much um i will be starting with the harrowing mystery of the dyatlov pass incident and i really hope that i cover this case really well because it's a very interesting one to me i've been obsessing over it since i found out about it which coincidentally was last year 2019 and at the same time the russian government decided to reopen the case now the case is from 1959 so very interesting so let's dive in i've heard quite a lot of podcasts cover it so i I can't really remember which ones so they will be uh kind of my sources of material of information that i found out about is but also i've uh wikipedia wikipedia if that makes sense yeah i've read the wikipedia article which is not very you know reliable as most know and uh to be fair i found a really cool article on allthatisinteresting.com about it and i think i will just kind of um go with that one and yeah i'll also add in a few a few bits and pieces of information that i have personally found out and that i know about it that may not be listed in here but i like the gist of this article so this is going to be my source right now and i'll do a lot of quoting because my train of thought is not very straightforward (laughs) and i don't know what structure is hello (laughs) so let's dive into the sitch in january 1959 nine young soviet hikers died under mysterious circumstances while trekking through the ural mountains in what's now known as the dyatlov pass incident in January 1959, a 23-year-old hiker named Alekseevich Dyatlov led a journey to reach the park of Otorten, a mountain in the northern Urals, that's like the pla- uh, planets, mountains, in Soviet Russia. So the young man brought a team of eight experienced hikers. So bear in mind, these guys were students, by the way. Uh, they studied geology from what i know so this is kind of what they did this is like their thing and by the way they did this this whole hiking situation was kind of like an exam for them so they were kind of just um studying for this all their life you know what i mean so they're not like going in there clueless and not knowing anything and if there's any background noises sorry (laughs) so 
many of those students were from the Ural Polytechnical Institute, see what I mean, the students, along with him for the adventure. Before he left, Dyatlov had told his sports club that he and his team would send them a telegram as soon as they returned. But that telegram was never sent, and none of the hikers of the so-called Dyatlov Pass incident were ever seen alive again. When the bodies were found in the coming weeks, their strange and gruesome injuries left investigators baffled and repulsed. Some were missing eyes, another was missing her tongue, and many were struck by a force comparable to that of a speeding car. But no one could make sense of it. And again, guys, um, from different sources that I've read about this from, um, there were no footsteps around their tent. So there was no physical evidence of anyone getting to their tent. And yeah, there's, we'll get into it, we'll get into it. The Soviet government closed the case quickly and offered only thin explanations saying that the hikers died due to hypothermia because they were inexperienced and that maybe something like an avalanche was at fault. But with that explanation, clearing up almost none of the lingering questions, amateur sleuths, don't know how to say that word, sleuths, S-L-E-U-T-H-S, as you probably know, my first language is not English, so I will be having weird accent moments where I don't know how to say things and I'll just spell them out. So yeah, amateur sleuths <laughs> have been puzzling over the mystery of the Dyatlov Pass incident for the last 60 years. And while the Russian government did reopen the case 2019, as I already said, we still don't know exactly what happened on that snowy mountainside all those years ago. So, let's break this down. The hikers entered the Dyatlov Pass. Based on what was recovered from their cameras and diaries, discovered at the site, um, investigators were able to pierce together that on February 1st, the team began to make their way through 2D unnamed pass leading to Otterton. As they pushed through the hostile climate towards the base of the mountain, they were hit with snowstorms that ripped through the narrow pass. Decreasing visibility caused by the team caused the team to lose their sense of direction, and instead of moving toward Otterton, they accidentally deviated west and found themselves on the slope of a nearby mountain. The mountain is known as Kolotschakl which is not in Russian, <laughs> so I will spell it out. K-H-O-L-A-T-S-Y-A-K-H-L Meaning dead mountain. Meaning bad vibes. Meaning no. <laughs> and the language of the indigenous Mansi people to the region, you know? So here we go, here we go, here we get it into it. Now you guys are learning things. You guys are broadening your horizons. I'm I'm waking you up. <laughs> Bad job, whatever. To avoid losing the attitude they had gained, or perhaps simply because the team wanted to practice camping on a mountain slope before their ascent to Otterton, Dyatlov called for camp to be made there. Hmm, bad decision. It was on this solitary mountain that all nine hikers of the Dyatlov Pass incident would meet their demise. Very dramatic, I agree. 
So when February 20 rolled around and there was still no communication from the hikers, a search party was mounted. The volunteer rescue force that trekked through the Dyatlov Pass found the campsite but no hikers. So army and police investigations were sent in to determine what happened to the missing team. When they arrived on the mountain, the investigators weren't hopeful. Though the group was made up of experienced hikers, the route they had chosen was remarkably difficult and accidents on these tricky mountain trails were a real danger. With the hikers having been missing for so long, investigators expected to find an open and shut case of a horrific accident uh, on treacherous ground. They were only partially correct. They found bodies, yet the state in which the bodies were found only raised more questions. Starting on February 26, the discoveries of the bodies opened up the true mystery of the Atlov Pass. And it continues to this day, as we know. So, the scene. The investigators arrived at the campsite. The first thing they noticed was that the tent had been cut open in a way that soon proved to be from the inside and that it was nearly destroyed. Meanwhile, most of the team's belongings, including several pairs of shoes, had been left at the camp. They then discovered eight or nine sets of footprints from the team. Like I said, there were no foreign footsteps, which is very strange. Many of them clearly made by people with either nothing, socks, or a single shoe on their feet. So from this, we are getting the visual that um, they were running barely clothed from the tent. From the inside of the tent so yeah just sit in the facts straight <laughs> why am i doing it? anyway uh these tracks led to the edge of a nearby woods almost a mile away from the camp at the forest edge under a large cedar the investigators found the remains of a small fire and the first two bodies yuri krivonishenko 23 and yuri doroshenko 21 Despite temperatures of minus 13 to minus 22 um, degrees, this is the American word with the F, which I don't know, sorry for that. <laughs> I don't know, their degrees are not Celsius, but the other one. I don't know, sorry. On the night of their deaths, both men's bodies were found shoeless and wearing only underwear. So yeah, like why would they run into, into these temperatures barely clothed, like what? They then found the next three bodies, those of Dyatlov, Zinaida Komogorova, 22, and Rustem Stobodin, 23, who died on their way back to the camp from the cedar tree. Yeah, there's pictures of the bodies, pretty frozen up. While their circumstances were odd, investigators found that the causes of death were clear. All the hikers, they said, had perished from hypothermia. Their bodies showed no indication of severe external damage beyond what had been inflicted by the cold. However, this did not explain why Doroshenko was brown-purple in complexion or why he had grey foam coming from his right cheek and grey liquid from his mouth. If you are squeamish, this is not the podcast for you. I'm so sorry, boo-boo, you may now leave. Apologies. But yes. 
and a disclaimer um i do not wish to disrespect any of the victims or make a laughing matter out of the situation i'm just trying to raise more awareness of what has happened and to hopefully get people to kind of brainstorm what they thought happened so that we can actually find out what happened well we can't but like just kind of brainstorm i guess furthermore sorry i'm back to the article <laughs> furthermore this didn't explain why the hands of the two hikers under the cedar were scraped away and the branches above them were torn down as if the two men had tried desperately to seek shelter from something or someone in the tree Ooh, goose 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 goosebumps Meanwhile, Slobodin had head injuries consistent with someone falling and hitting their head over and over again, and Kolmogorova had a baton-shaped bruise on her side. These two hikers, as well as the others found by the point, found by this point, were also generally underdressed and wearing some of each other's clothes, only supporting the idea that they'd fled suddenly and without adequate um, preparation into the freezing night, despite being experienced hikers it wasn't until the other four bodies were found two months later that the mystery deepened even more an even grislier scene the diatlov pass then the remaining hikers were discovered buried under the snow in a ravine 75 meters deeper into the woods than the cedar known as the diatlov pass then and their bodies told even more gruesome stories than those of the other members of the group. Nikolai, I cannot say his name, it looks very French. T-H-I-B-E-A-U-X B-R-I-G-N-O-L-L-E-S 23 suffered significant school damage in the moments before his death, while Ludmila Dubinina, 20, and Simeon Zolotaryov, 38, had major chest fractures that could only have been caused by an immense force comparable to that of a car crash so guys again no steps there no no vehicles nothing they would they would have they would have been you know marks in the snow in the most gruesome part of the dead love past incident dubinina was missing her tongue eyes part of her lips as well as a facial tissue and a fragment of her school bone so they also found the dead body of alexander kolevatov 24 in the same location but without the same kind of severe wounds so all bodies have different different um damages the second group of bodies suggested that the hikers had died at distinctly different times because they appeared to have been making use of the clothes of the people who have died before them which again terrifying thing to go through terrifying the Binina's foot was wrapped in a piece of Krivonchenko's wool pants and Zolotaryov was found in the Binina's false fur coat a car I apologize I will cut this out suggesting he had taken them from her after she had died just as she had taken clothes from Krivoshenko earlier perhaps most mysterious of all was that the clothes of both Kolevatov and Dubinina showed evidence of being radioactive 
Due to evidence like this, even with more bodies found, the mystery of the Outlaw Pass was past incident only grew more baffling. Yeah, there was uh, quite a lot of radiation going on there. The Soviet government closed the case quickly and gave only vague causes of death and speculated the hikers' own incompetence may have caused their demise or that natural disaster was the culprit. Early on, many Soviets also suspected that the hikers' deaths were the result of an ambush by the local Mansi tribesmen. A sudden attack would account for the way the hikers fled their tents, their disarray and the damage done to the second group of bodies. But that explanation fizzled quickly. The Mansi people were legendary, peaceful, um, largely peaceful, and the evidence in the Atlas Pass did not support violent human conflict. As we know, there were no footsteps. For one, the damage done to the hikers' bodies exceeded the blunt force trauma one human could inflict on another. There was also no evidence of any footprints from the mountain beyond those made by the hikers themselves. As I said, investigators then conceived of a swift, violent avalanche. The second sound of snow collapsing, an early warning of the deluge, whatever, to come, would have frightened the hikers out of their tents in a state of undress and sent them sprinting to the tree. An avalanche would have also been powerful enough to inflict the injuries that killed the second group of hikers. But the physical evidence of an avalanche just wasn't there. And local fami locals familiar with the terrain later said that such a natural disaster simply wouldn't have made sense in the Dead of Pass. There was also the fact that when investigators found the bodies, they noted no evidence that an avalanche had occurred any time recently in the region. There was no damage to the tree line and searchers observed no debris. Moreover, no avalanches had been recorded at that site before and or have they been any since. Oh, pictures of the bodies. Oh. <laughs> you guys don't have to look at those, but you can Google them if you want. But yeah, you don't have to. Furthermore, what have experienced hike would experienced hikers have made camp in a spot that was vulnerable to an avalanche? Yeah, guys, see, this is so mysterious. The avalanche hypoth hypothesis was characteristic of most of the theories put forward in the early days of the mystery. It offered a quick, superficially plausible solution to some aspects of the puzzle, but they utterly failed to account for others. Basic theories, here's like a bunch of theories here. Um, yeah, so my question to everybody would be, like, what I want you guys to take away from this episode is, do you think it was aliens? Or do you think it was a possession? Or do you think that it was drama? Like, do you think that some of them were having um, relationships with each other and you know there was like a love triangle or something and then someone got mad at someone because from what I remember in one of the podcasts I listened to um, they mentioned that in their diaries there were, someone was saying something about one of them was saying something about how 
uh, one of the boys was one of the girls they kind of liked one of the girls but the other girl liked them but they weren't like paying attention to her so maybe I'm just speculating here Spe speculating uh, so yeah let's see the official theories some try to explain the hiker's strange behavior and lack of clothing with an in-depth look at the effects of hypothermia. Irrational thinking and behavior is a common early sign of hypothermia, and as a victim approaches death, they may paradoxically perceive themselves to be overheating, causing them to remove their clothes. The trauma to the second group of bodies in this version of events is caused by a stumbling plunge over the edge of a ravine. Yet hypothermia doesn't explain why the hikers left their warm tents in a panic for the frigid world outside in the first place. Other investigators began to test the theory that the deaths were the result of some argument among the group, as I said, that got out of hand, possibly related to a romantic encounter, where there was history of dating between several of the members, like I said. That could explain some of the lack of clothes, but people who knew the ski group said they were largely harmonious. Moreover, the death of past hikers would have been no more able to inflict the damage to their compatriots than the Mansi. The force involved in some of the deaths was again greater than that which any human could inflict. The Dyatlov Pass takes a turn toward supernatural. So here you have some supernatural theories. And also, I'm not sure if they're gonna if they mentioned this actually in this um, article, but um, the way, like when they when they took them to to bury them on their funeral, they had to show the bodies, right? So the bodies were orange and the hair was like white or gray. So that's another thing. That's a, I think a sign of the bodies being exposed to radiation. So that's also a very interesting thing because why would there be so much radiation there, you know? Um, also another thing that I don't think was mentioned is that uh, one more guy left with them and they were going through he had been exposed to radiation before because his work kind of involved it in some way and they were going through these um these caves i think and then it just got too much for him because he had injured his leg or something and then he went back so there's quite a lot of radiation involved so that could also be something i don't even know what but if you're on the alien train you'll be like okay aliens use radiation to kill them i guess i don't know so yeah let's see some of the supernatural theories with humans effectively ruled out as the culprits behind the dead pass incident though there are theories that the kgb or murderous prison escapees were at fault some began to posit non-human assailants some began to claim that the hikers were killed by a mank a kind of Russian yeti to account for the immense force and power necessary to cause the injuries to the three hikers. This theory is popular among those who focus on the damage of Dominina's face, Dominina's face, while most explain her missing tissue by positing a visit from small scavengers or perhaps decay resulting from her partial submersion in a watery 
under snow stream. Mank proponents see a more sinister predator at work. Yeah, I can't go with that. I'm not really believing this theory. Doesn't really add up because where the footprints, Jose? I don't see that. Other. My favorite word now. Sluts points to the report. <laughs> I'm guessing this is people that like want to. Let me see what slut means. Slut and how you say it. Real quick. Real quick, low, informative, low break for anyone who's not a native English speaker, such as myself. Let's Google that real quick. A detective. Let's see how it's pronounced. Sleuth. Sleuth. Ooh, there we go. I was almost there. Okay, other sleuths point to the reports of small amounts of radiation detected on some of their bodies, leading to wild theories that the hikers had been killed by some sort of secret radioactive weapon after stumbling into secret government testing. Ooh, guys. Those who favor the idea stress the strange appearance of the bodies. Oh my god, that's exactly what I said. They actually did cover it, sorry. And the bodies at their funerals. The corpses had slightly orange withered skin. With with withered cast? Oh sorry. But had radiation been the cause of death, more than the modest levels would have registered when the bodies were examined. The corpse's orange hue isn't surprising given the frigid conditions in which they sat for weeks. They were partially mummified in the cold. Mm, I see now. The secret weapon explanation is popular because it is partially supported by the testimony of another hiking group. When camping 50 kilometers from the Dyatlov Pass team on the same night, this other group spoke of strange orange orbs floating in the sky around that mountain that they were, because I'm not gonna try to butcher the name again. A side proponent of this theory is interpreted as distant explosions. Yeah. Um, actually, Krivoshenko took a photo of that. So they've posting, they're posting that. He took a photo of those orbs. Um, the hypothesis goes that the sound of the weapon drove the hikers from their tents in a panic. Half cleared, the first group died of hypothermia while attempting to take shelter from the blasts by waiting near the tree line. The second group, having seen the first group freeze, determined to go back for their belongings, but fell victim to hypothermia too, while the third group got caught in a fresh blast further into the forest and died from their injuries. Lev Ivanov, the chief investigator of the Atlov Pass incident, said, I suspect that the time, I suspect, suspected at the time, can I speak? And I'm almost sure now, that these bright flying spheres had a direct connection to the group's death. When he was interviewed by a small Kazakh newspaper in 1990, censorship and secrecy in the USSR forced him to abandon his line of inquiry. Other explanations include drug testing that caused violent behavior in the hikers and an unusual weather event known as infrasound. Oh my god, guys, I've actually researched this. This is super cool. 
caused by a particular wind pattern that can lead to maniac attacks in humans because the low frequency sound waves create a kind of earthquake inside of the body. In the end, the hiker's deaths were officially attributed to a compelling natural force and the case was closed. But, like I said, in 2019, Russian officials reopened the case for a new investigation. This time, however, officials said they would only consider three theories. An avalanche, a snow slab, or a hurricane. So, we're not getting anywhere with this. Oh, we're not really getting anywhere with this. I wonder why they even reopened it, if they really don't even care. And they're just trying to push their own theories. Yeah, so the case was once again closed to 2019, uh, with only a vague conclusion that no criminal activity was afoot. Investigators said in July 2020, oh wow, so recent, oh my god, wow, that the hikers died of hypothermia after an avalanche, because, sorry to interrupt again, um, last time I researched this, it was last year, so yeah, just like this update is new for me too that the hikers died of hypothermia after an avalanche of similar force pushed them out of their tents and onto the cold. Still, the mystery remains unofficially unsolved. The mountainside in question was named Atlas Pass in honor of the lost expedition and a monument to the nine hikers was erected in the Mikhailov Cemetery at Yekaterinburg. There lay the only people who will ever know the truth of what happened that night in the Dyatlov Pass. So yeah, this is all my knowledge of it really. I did not know that they've reopened it and they've closed it so quick and so swift. And I wonder what made them reopen the case in the first place. Maybe it was their loved ones trying to find out what happened. But yeah, guys, let me know. Well, don't let me know. <laughs> but if you want to, you could. Uh, let me know what you think. Do you think it was aliens? Because a lot of people speculated those orbs were actually aliens. And also, the natives to that land also mentioned that they saw those orbs that night. Um... And also the mountain was named Dead Mountain by the natives, which kind of gives you a history of the place. So if the natives have named it that, then some shit must have went down, right? Like, even if it's not like some secret government place, maybe like, maybe something super weird was going on. Because remember even these guys were like, the first group, they were running away from what was in the tree, quote unquote. So maybe there was like an entity i'm really stuck between an entity that either possessed them or did things to them like the the blunt force trauma or aliens so i'm really thinking about these two and yeah so what else these are my thoughts on it pretty much yeah, I'm not really sure what could have happened other than these two theories that I strongly go with, but feel free to make up your own and research and see for yourself if you're interested. 
but yeah i mean russia doesn't really have free speech that much right now as it is um with almost all east european countries i'm bulgarian so i should know so i'm just very curious what made him reopen the case in 2019 because it feels like they just reopened it did literally no research and just came back and said yeah it's an avalanche in 2020 in july 2020 which is so strange to do given the whole corona stuff like they literally just took the time out of their day to just say that and close the case so it kind of looks to me like they were just trying to save face and look like they did something but i don't really understand who they did that for because it clearly wasn't for the families and it clearly wasn't to bring justice so yeah these are my final thoughts (laughs) please let me know what you think i feel like a youtuber i feel like i should say down in the comments but i don't know if there's comments i I don't know this is my first ever episode of a podcast and it's probably crap hopefully i'll get better and maybe one day even do merch who the fuck knows dude yeah take care bye